There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. The Yankees have swept the Twins. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. And here we go with edition number 175 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat available on Apple, Spotify, Podman, or wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just search Minnesota Sports Chat. Minnesota broadcasting legend, Minnesota broadcasting Hall of Famer, and journalism legend Patrick Royce in just moments. As we get going on this 175th edition, please remember to rate and review this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Please tell your family and friends all about this pod. And if you're consuming in the Score North Taxi Squad feed, I encourage you to subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Mr. Patrick Royce, thank you so much for making time for me. It only took me three, four years to get the courage to ask you to make an appearance on this podcast. Well, uh, I'm not that uh, I'm not that hard a date, so you could have done it earlier. Than <laughs> that. so that's, that's, that's not a, not a, not a problem. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sitting waiting to do uh, uh, Phil and uh, Judd. So, uh, you know, it's, it's in it's in the morning and us old people are early risers. So don't well, worry. Well, we're recording this, Pat, on MLB trade deadline day. And since a lot of people will hear this podcast either after the twins are buyers or sellers, we'll, we will avoid that talk for the most part. But I guess one thing I will ask you is just your general thoughts and i know the answer here but i'm going to stir the pot here a little bit your general thoughts on this entire minnesota twins regime and i don't just mean rocco baldelli i mean basically everything from the top down and the only reason why i ask you this is i set it up this way pat ever since the bomba squad in 2019 where the baseball was juiced this team just goes through the motions every day day in and day out Everything is laissez-faire. Nothing ever seems important. <laughs> and it just, it drives me up the wall. But, Pat, I love baseball and I'm a nerd. I've still watched bits and pieces of almost every Twins game this year. And it's unwatchable baseball. Well, let's uh, let's admit they went 36-24 and 24 during the COVID year to 2020. So, at that point, you were uh, thinking, well, you know, okay. They, they didn't win any playoff games, obviously. But... Uh, and uh, you know, since then, I'm not sure that it's, I'm not sure that it's effort. I'm just, uh, you know, when you don't hit, you don't look like you're uh, trying. That's a, that's always been the, the situation with baseball. It's, uh, you know, when you don't, you're not, you don't go up there and fail to hit because you're not properly enthused. It's because you're not a good hitter, generally speaking. And that's uh, that's their number one problem right here. Now, the fact that Carlos Correa has been as god-awful as he's been uh, in RBI situations in virtually every situation, and that Buxton has become the new, the taller, faster uh, Sano, maybe not even taller, but uh, certainly faster. Uh, Sano has uh, you know, uh, damaged them uh, greatly. 
But then they've done some incredibly, in, you know, just impossible to get your head around things like bring in Joey Gallo for a team that already strikes out an ungodly amount. Let's get in the number one strike guy in the history of baseball. So, uh, yeah, they've done a lot of goofy things. Here's the thing about the trade deadline, and I don't know what happened, but, you know, the year they gave up uh, these guys when they first got here, Molly was still a manager, I think 2017. They they traded for Jaime Garcia, and then a week later they let him go because they gave up, and then they did good. Then they did well after, you know, the last two months they won the division. Last year they went all in, traded lots of prospects for three pitchers, and uh, when the tank, so uh, you know this idea, you gotta you gotta go out and get somebody to help this team. Well, they did that last year, and we were all celebrating when they brought in three relief pitchers to fix a lousy bullpen, and then they didn't win any games the rest of the year. So it was it's 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 unpredictable. That's the one. You know what? The great thing about this baseball season, Ross, is it's totally unpredictable. Yes, you, yes. You got the Twins. You know, we might look at the Twins as a failure here, but over and under on the season, they were 83 and a half or something like that. Uh, you look at uh, the number of teams that have really, really stunk when they were supposed to be good. The Mets, the Yankees, the Padres, the the Mariners were supposed to be a, a really good team this year. Uh, lots of, uh, lots of St. Louis Cardinals, who the Twins are getting ready to play here uh, as we speak. They've been a you know, they hadn't had a losing season since 2007. And uh, they're, you know, they thought they were going to, they knew they were going to win the Central Division. They just wondered if they could get back to the World Series. And now they're 15 games under 500. So it's been a, it's been an unpredictable season, which is good. Baseball should be unpredictable. We worry about baseball being too predictable, and it's it's been unpredictable this year. It's great. I've heard you an awful lot on Mackie and Judd and Royce Unchained and with the Score North guys talk about just how great and how positive the MLB rules changes have been in affecting the pace of play of baseball, the overall watchability one that I haven't heard you touch on a ton, and I agree with you on everything. I think the pitch clock has been great. I love baseball, and even I didn't want to go to weeknight games because they weren't ending until 10, 30, 11. And, Pat, that's a school night. I have a job I got to get up for, right? So, <laughs> right, right? so I can't be out that late now, especially as I start to approach 40. But here's here's one that I don't love, Pat, and I want to get your thought on this because maybe you'll agree with me or you can set me straight and I'll look at it in a different way. I despise the ghost runner at second base to start the 10th inning. Uh, You could maybe talk me into putting the ghost runner at first, or you could maybe talk me into it in like the 12th inning and beyond. But can we not have another inning or two of regular baseball? I mean, I get it. At the end of the day, each team plays by the same rules home and away. You'll get, you'll get, you'll have an advantage, but it dramatically favors the home team. And oftentimes, if the road team doesn't score in the top half of the 10th, the home team doesn't really even have to do anything to earn the victory other than they got the three outs in the top half of the inning. I just, I don't like it. I, I really don't. It's it's bugged me from day one, and the more I watch it, I think it's actually bugging me more. The, uh, the fact of the matter is, when uh, Manford first started suggesting these things, uh, you know, they did it for the COVID year that they they put the runner out there. Because of, uh, you know, just, you know, they were also playing seven inning double headers, which really drove me nuts. But 
they, you know, Manfred's original proposal when they came back was they were not going to have the runner at second base. And the manager's lobby, I think, was stronger than any of the, the managers got their teams to convince baseball to put the guy on second base. Uh, you know, the managers might lose a bunch of games because of it, but they're so paranoid about their bullpens now they don't uh, you know they can't stand the idea of playing 12 innings so they uh, you know they 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 basically it was the team it wasn't the baseball uh, commissioner's office that originally uh, was going to do that here's the way I look at it though now I would do it in the I, I agree with you the 12th would be good maybe even the 11th but uh, play one regular inning but uh, the uh, you know, I, I kind of look at it like hockey, three on three, you know, that, uh, you know, you, you don't do that in the playoffs. You don't do that in the postseason. You, it's a gimmick that gives away an extra point. Uh, and, and, you know, three on three gives away an extra point or a shootout even gives away an extra point. But those things don't happen in the postseason. Baseball, the runner doesn't get on second base in the postseason. But. The, the difference, of course, is in hockey, they give you that free point for losing. Yeah. There's, there's no free point in baseball. You either win or you lose. We can't go to a point process in baseball. That would really drive us nuts. That's traditionalist. So, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I, I thought originally 12 would, if, if you're going to, you know, the old idea of as many guys is the way you get in some games now with all these strikeouts and nobody able to score a run, you could have like a bunch of 15 inning games if you didn't put somebody out there at second base. But I, I would like the 12th inning, the 12th inning thing, but I don't know that this was the managers. You can blame Rocco and his 29 cohorts for, uh, for this. They were our bullpen. We got to protect our bullpen. We can't, we've already, we're already having to use, the god-awful Giovanni Moran five times a week. We don't want to have to do it six. We can't pitch that poor guy who can't throw strikes more than we're pitching him now. So nothing beats the thing. Nothing beats last Minnesota Twins season, Pat, and Rocco routinely almost day in and day out talking about we've taxed our bullpen, we're overusing yes. our bullpen. I'm like, well, yeah, because you're trotting out Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer who are giving yes. you three, four-inning starts every five days. I mean, I don't know if the Twins are still leading in uh, innings pitched by starting pitchers. Probably not, but they were for a long yeah. time what a know, dramatic- this year, which is amazing. What a role reversal there, by the way. Did that, yes. did that start with basically the soon-to-be-on-his-way-out or maybe already out when most people hear this <laughs> podcast? Did that start with Sonny Gray basically calling them on the BS yes, in the offseason. Yeah, I, think he, I think he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, they they were absurd last year. I remember Dylan Bundy. You know, he wasn't he wasn't much to write home about, and he got him for nothing. But once in a you know, he had a couple of stretches where he was pretty good. I remember he's he's pitching against the Angels out in out in California, and he went through five innings, sixty four. Trout wasn't playing. I don't think Otani was playing. I think he was hurt too. They they had nobody in the lineup. He went through the the first five innings on sixty four pitches. He wasn't even sweating, and they took him out anyway because he was going to face the best. You know, you got to look at who you're playing before you go to your third time through the order. If the other team stinks, you're happy to face them a third time through the order. Yeah. Now, of course, in Kansas City, that, that didn't work out that way. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, 
last year was, you know, you can't have Chris Archer in your, in your, in your rotation all season, averaging three and a third innings or whatever it is. And, and, and knowing that's what he was going to average because he hadn't pitched in four years, basically because of his bad arm. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was stupid strategy from the start last year, this year, this year, the only thing that has covered up all their sins, particularly at the plate, has been the good starting. And in the bullpen, too, has been the good starting pitching. has covered up a lot of sins. Now, Joe Ryan looks like he's running out a little steam over at his first bad game in a long time. And uh, and uh, some of the other, some of the other fellas are – my eight has been sharp. But anyway – what I'm saying is, uh, yeah, that was that was very stupid last year, the way they used their starting pitching, and they made it impossible, and that's probably why they fell on their face the last two months of the year. So. Were you offended, Pat, in the offseason by the arise for Pablo Lopez trade? I was not. I still am not. I, it, it goes back to the old adage of to get something, you have to give something. The Twins desperately needed pitching, which is a, another argument or topic we can go down, but... I'm not super offended by it. Pablo Lopez hasn't been great, but he has been pretty good. And to get a starting pitcher that will give you roughly 200 innings and get strikeouts, it's going to take a pretty good ball player. And Luis Arise is going to win the batting title. He's probably going to win a few more. But Pat, I don't want to disparage a guy who's going to win the batting title, but he's got bad legs and he doesn't really play a position. So if you only had to give up one player to get what we all think will at least be a starter in your rotation for three to five years. It's not brutal to me. It looks worse this year because nobody in the lineup hits, but I would say if he was in the lineup this year, how much better would the twins realistically be? I don't think he would make the other seven or eight guys in the lineup that much better. I've uh, what I've always said about it is he is the exact batter. This lineup needs. However, a guy who gives you a good at bat, eight pitches. Uh, if there's two on and two out, or if the bases are loaded, God help us, which we root against the bases being loaded for this team. Please, you turn on the TV and you say, please don't have the twins have the bases loaded here. We want them to score. But uh, he's he was the exact guy you needed. To give. I'm a big good at bat guy. I like good at bats, you know, and not good at bats because they're eight pitches. It's because people aren't swaying at pitches over their head and in the dirt and, uh, Places like that. I, I, but they, they insisted that the only person that uh, the only player that Miami would take would be a rise. So it, it's not a terrible trade, but it's certainly been fun needling the Twins about that, especially when he was hitting over 400. He's had five hits uh, four times, I believe, this year, which is the first guy since Ty Cobb. Yeah, so uh, it's been kind of fun. And Ty is not a recent player, as you well know. Yeah, last time uh, I checked, it's been a while since Ty Cobb was at 18 or some damn thing. So uh, it's been fun teasing the Twins about it. And Pablo, Pablo's been kind of a mysterious guy because he's a big, strong guy. He goes out there, looks like he's got great stuff, and all of a sudden he pops up and gives him four runs. He's the big inning has been uh, his uh, his problem. But uh, you know what did shock me about it is that they, you know, they had to run him down in the hallway at Yankee Stadium to give him eighty million dollars after three starts here. I thought that was, I thought that was a little, uh, little rapid. I thought they made up their mind a little rapid. But uh, he certainly, uh, you know, it's that's 
it's you know you gave up the uh, the uh, defending batting champion, the new batting champion, the guy who was going to hit 360 probably and get 230 hits, but uh, you know you did uh, you did it was the best trade they made for a pitcher for a long time, uh, considering uh, last year at the deadline, uh, Tyler Malley trade disaster. Jorge Lopez, who I wanted, I loved Jorge Lopez. It was dead wrong on him. I didn't know that he had issues uh, under his hat. But, uh, yeah, you know, I love that trade, but <laughs> he gave that up. I mean, everything they did last year is, uh, you know, the guy they should have kept for nothing is Fulmer. He's been okay. Yeah. He was even closing for a while for the Cubbies, right? Wasn't he? Yeah, and so, they keep keep in mind Yenier Cano, an all-star and great relief pitcher yes. for the Orioles, was a throw-in in the Jorge Lopez trade. Yeah, yeah, they said, hey, we'll take that guy too. Okay, you can have him. So their, uh, their track record on deadline deals is not uh, not real good, to say the least. But uh, it's I think they're going to shake it up a little bit. I don't know what. I, I don't see, uh, see Falvey, uh, you know, Joe Polad was, you know, Joe Polad's just started. Joe Polad's different than all the other Polads because this is his job. Yeah. This is his job. He's the, he's the, uh, I don't know, what are they calling him now? CEO. And he's not, I don't know if he's CEO. Whatever they're calling him, Jim Polad, it was a, you know, it was just a title and he'd go to the meetings, right? And then he'd make it, then once in a while he'd, he'd, he'd be quoted twice a year, right? And then, uh, you know, and Carl was the same way. It was just like this. So this is the first poll ad to actually be active on a daily basis with the twins. He's got nothing else to do but think about baseball. And, uh, you know, he's the guy that gave us a new hat and called it a new era of twins baseball. Him and Juice Sutton got us thrilled out there at the uh, Mall of America with the new era of baseball. And here it is, a new hat. So, uh, you know, that's that was the new era of baseball. So that's Joe. But I think Joe's probably going to be more impulsive than the others. But it's not going to be Felby, I don't think, that takes the fall. It'll be Rocco, probably. Is our, somebody is our guy it's Dylan Floro, who was traded for Jorge Lopez, you're you're a baseball historian, so follow me here. This is a bit of a joke, but it's a true question. Has any pitcher ever went from one team to another but never had to change his hat because it's essentially the same hat? Yes, that's true. That is true. It is the same hat. I, I hope he didn't bring any of the old ones with him. He could get a little confused when he's going out there. Maybe they're a little, <laughs> little different color or something, although they don't wear the new ones at home, right? They wear them on the road. I right? think they're. I think they're only on the road. I, I yeah. don't. I don't love that hat. My bit, Pat, is in honor of you on Twitter. Anytime I see somebody post a picture wearing that hat, I just uh-huh. reply to them and say, "Nice Marlins hat." <laughs> yes, that's right. So, some people well, get really I, upset. I was out there for the introduction of the new era of Twins baseball, and everybody saw the hat. Everybody from eight-year-old kids to eighty-year-old adults. Just, that's the Marlins hat. Everybody said the same. Everybody there said the same thing. That's the Marlins. They and it's not like the Marlins are a great part of our baseball consciousness, but uh, until Louie got there, anyway. Uh, but uh, everybody saw that hat and said, "What's the Marlins hat?" Well, since 1991, they have won two more World Series than the Minnesota Twins. Yes, so, we'll, so okay. we'll we'll give them that. Pat, I covered both of those and. Uh, 
97 was, uh, that was a heartbreak, man. Jose Cleveland is still, that was one of my greatest World Series because my, uh, and my computer was overheating and we're going extra innings in game seven. And I was out in the auxiliary press box and football press box in right field. And they had a big walk-in refrigerator there. And my computer was overheating. I had to walk in between innings and cool it off and then come back. And that's a hard way to write an extra inning on deadline column when you're, when you gotta, when you gotta air, you gotta take your computer to a freezer every five minutes or something. That was, that was not good. Here's how far we've come. I just learned yesterday. There's these things called like cooling packs that you can place your laptop in now. I, really? I, I never knew. Yeah, you can buy these. I was actually with our engineer here yesterday at Hubbard. He picked up a few for the uh, that thing that's twelve days long at the end of August through Labor Day that I don't want to talk about. So we we just we just won't talk right. about it. Hey, yes. very very quickly, that World Series is that what ruled or ruined Charles Nagy? Was that the World Series? What ruined remember oh. Charles Nagy? What ruined? Yeah, him? right. He didn't pitch. Didn't they have relief? Come in and relief or something? I don't know. I. I I, uh, they all run together. Yeah, that was one when he was one, like their ace, didn't they? Yeah. Pitch him in the first game or something like that. And Jeff then he Nagy. was just getting hammered in the World Series. And then he came back the following year, maybe two years later, and he had bleached his hair blonde. He was he was trying to basically be an entirely new person. Yeah. You know that we're uh, we're fighting the Guardians now instead of the Indians uh, for the central title. But it's not quite the same as when the Central first started in 94. When you look at this Indian lineup, uh, Tommy, I mean, the Guardians, Tommy and Manny and Alomar after a while and the other Alomar. And uh, that was a Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton. Yeah, that was an Albert Bell. That was, a, that was an all-star team. Now they're. Now Cleveland's so excited about their chances they traded their best pitcher with them. You know, please, Twins, please finish ahead of us. We don't want the embarrassment of going to the postseason. Can you clowns win 80 games and not make us go to the playoffs? That's basically what Cleveland said uh, yesterday. I'm gonna give Man. you. I'm gonna give you a very quick. Uh, I guess at the time, Florida Marlins story that I'm going to ask you one random question, then we'll get out of here. But before I do that, I'm going to remind everybody about Beans Coffee Company, a quick caffeinated shout out to Beans Coffee Company for supporting Minnesota Sports Chat. Beans Coffee Company, you know it by now. They have a blend for everybody. Light roast, medium roast, dark roast, you name it. They have it. Check out all the blends at coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com. There you can order by the bag or even set up a coffee subscription. I continue to crush that Perfectus blend. That's what's in this mug that I'm drinking right now. You can hear me set it down. It is simply delectable. Remember, use the promo code SPORTSCHAT to save at checkout. Beans Coffee Company ships anywhere in the U.S. with free shipping on all orders of $35 or more. Visit coffeebybeans.com. Promo code SPORTSCHAT. Pat, I tried to hold. Do they have one that tastes like Diet Coke. <laughs> That's what gonna... I want to know. I was holding this up. I was... they, got a, they got a coffee that tastes like Diet Coke. I might start drinking it. So I was just going to tell you, I had a Diet Coke this morning, <laughs> but I already powered through it, and then I moved on to my uh, coffee. So here's okay. my here's my one random question for you. Then we'll finish with a funny uh, Carl Pavano story, which I think some people will remember, and I think I've told it on this podcast. So you, just like me, have a love for Diet Coke. 
I yeah. have started to shift. I do love Diet Coke. I will almost always buy it over Coke Zero or Cherry Coke Zero. Mm-hmm. But I really do appreciate the Coke Zero and the Cherry Coke Zero. You don't. So expl- no. explain your love for Diet Coke and then explain your disdain for uh, Coke Zero. Uh, the uh, taste is different. Uh, there's a, I just I just I can tell I can tell when I'm drinking a Coke uh, Zero. I once in a while, you know, there's a shortage of pure diet Coke at a lot of places, and uh, once in a while I will have to buy a Coke Zero, and it's tolerable. It's tolerable, but it's not it's not the same as the elixir. That plus this, you drink this, you don't get COVID. For goodness sake, yeah. you don't get, you know, I mean, it cures, it cures almost everything. It keeps you, you know, it keeps you working in a newspaper at 77 and a half years old, because if I didn't have Diet Coke, I would be old and feeble, but I'm full of uh, uh, Diet Coke and vinegar. We used to use something else in vinegar. Now it's a Diet, Diet Coke and vinegar. I'm full of. Well, did you see the story last week that that said, I think it was last, maybe two weeks ago, that basically the artificial sweeteners that are in all of our diet beverages, not as toxic as people thought. You and I, yes. would, you and I <laughs> would basically have to drink Diet Coke from the fire hose multiple times daily to get any adverse effects <laughs> from it. So there That's you go. Drink up, my man. But what did they uh, make us, uh, you know, my first diet soda thing, when I was stupid enough to think it had something to do with weight, was Pepsi Light. I was a Pepsi Light addict. And, uh, in fact, when I uh, went through uh, St. Mary's uh, in 1981 to uh, get sober, uh, haven't had a drink since April 27th, 1981. But Congrats, anyway, by the way. That's awesome. Uh, whenever, whenever anybody came to visit me, I made them bring a 12-pack with uh, Pepsi Light with them. But then Pepsi Light had something in it. It was was saccharin or something. What, yeah, what, what was, was it saccharin was, or aspartame, was, something like that? Yeah, you know, that might have been what it is. Was they they made us stop drinking that, and then I kind of floundered for years, and then the diet coke came along. So, so um, and you know, it's it's something to get you started in the morning and put you to sleep at night. Do the non-caffeine one at night. So. You should be on Diet Coke ads. Everything you just said, <laughs> you should be on a 30-second TV commercial. Yes, I should. I pimping, should. Pimping the lifestyle that Diet Coke has allowed you to lead. Okay, we'll end with this. I got to get you out of here. I think I've told this story on this podcast, and you can look it up. It's just it's a great quote that I'll mildly butcher from Carl Pavano. But Carl Pavano, I believe at the time, uh, is maybe pitching for the uh, then Indians, now Guardians, whatever team he maybe moved on from after the Yankees. Might even have been, he might have been pitching for the Twins at the time. So he returns to Yankee Stadium and the New York uh, media, they ask him, hey, Carl, you were here for four years, even though he barely pitched. You were here for four years. What was your favorite game? What's your favorite memory at Yankee Stadium? And he replies deadpanned and just says, Game six of the 2003 World Series. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's when he was pretty pitching good. for the Florida Marlins. Florida Marlins, yeah. He was a pretty, he was a pretty good, quiet quipster, and he had a hell of a year. The, the Carl Pulapavano game, I remember, is they're playing a Saturday night, or I wasn't there, but I live about four miles straight west, right? And it's a Saturday, so it's starting at 6.10. And he's got one out in the ninth, and Armageddon comes in from the <laughs> west. I mean, it is pouring in Golden Valley. And right, you know, he's got he's got minutes. He's got minutes to get the last two outs. 
and he gets the last out. And I'm thinking that was game. I think it was 159 that game, which was this was no speed up rules, and he didn't make it to the dug. The people were there. He didn't make it. The Twins didn't make it off the field when hail and lightning and all hell broke loose. And I said that was Carl Pavano's greatest pitching performance because they would have still been waiting to finish that game. You know, it would have been. And then, but it was hour 59 under the old rules. That's remember. He was a pretty good pitcher for him. He did pretty good. An hour 59 in the old rules converted to oh. like today is like an hour 41. I might be wrong. It might have been 203 or something, but I think it was 159. So I'm pretty good at remembering baseball. I don't know where my keys are, but I can remember. <laughs> I can remember stuff. So. Pat, you're, All right, Roscoe, yeah, you're, well, uh, you're the absolute best. I appreciate it. Thanks for making time, and please uh, give the uh, give the Score North crew who you're off to record with here momentarily. Give them a hard time for me, okay? All right. All right, Ross. Thank you, Pat. You. Yep. That is Mr. Patrick Royce. Check him out on Twitter. Check him out with all the Score North stuff that he does. Royce Unchained, Mackie and Judd, a gem of a human being, and just an incredible, incredible interaction on Twitter. He's just, he's always fishing. If you know what I mean. That's edition 175 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Thanks to Patrick Royce. Most importantly, thank you to you for listening as we do this roughly each and every week in this Minnesota Sports Chat podcast feed. I greatly appreciate it. I, I really do. I know there's a bazillion podcasts, radio shows, TV shows, things on YouTube you can watch. So if you give me 30, 45 minutes a week, Honestly, I truly do appreciate that. Please tell your family and friends all about Minnesota Sports Chat. Please rate and review kindly. We'll talk again next week in this very feed.